Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast, and always brought to you by Leap Spirits Vodka, the best vodka in Wisconsin or anywhere, and Wags, we're making cocktails. What do you have in store today? Yeah, we're going to do a Wisco Mule. So, uh, to start off with, we're going to do a ice-filled copper mug, and always using our Leap Spirits Vodka, one and a half ounces. And this is a really simple drink. You can do this at any tailgate. Um, and then we're going to do a little splash of Control or Grand Marnier. And then just spill with your favorite ginger beer, about four ounces. Garnish with a lime. And even when the kids are screaming in the tailgate, the drink tastes delicious. Here you go. Let me try. Anybody who's a parent knows you got to have one once in a while. Go back, go. Go back, go. I know we gonna go hard. We been that team ever since Bart Star. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport, and I'll leave it with you. Good luck. Only thing I will Good evening and welcome to Lombardi's Legend Podcast on a spectacular Halloween night. And of course, always joining me is Dane. We are Recording this live on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube channel, um, or if you're listening later. Dane, um, I say that this version of the Packers season has definitely turned into a haunting nightmare. So, uh, folks, if you're joining us in the chat, I think uh, go ahead and give us a version of your favorite Halloween movie, scary movie a title. Uh, with the Packers theme to it. I'm just going to go with Night- Nightmare at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. Um, and Dane, you can think about it and give us yours maybe in a little bit, but how are you doing here this evening? Uh, I mean, I've been better, uh, from a Packer perspective, Rags. I, it, you talk about it, it's fitting that it's Halloween. The Packers, I don't think have won in about a month now. I can't remember the last time we've, we've, kind of hit this kind of dip. It was another um, pretty sad performance by the team. I mean, there might have been some positives here or there, but anytime you're losing a game on national TV that you really never had a chance in the game, um, it just it, it wasn't there for the Packers yet again last night. Um, maybe we can find some silver linings, but I'll tell you what, man, uh, coming into this, expecting a championship-style season, and now this is what we're getting. It's it's a really unfortunate turn of events. And um, four losses in a row, that ties, um, including what, playoffs, what the losses have been in some of the last few years. So just a really tough, tough way to start this year. And it's not even a start anymore. We're in the middle of the year, and it's just, this is might just be what this Packers team is. Yeah, absolutely. And while, Dean, you could say there's some silver lining in the team perhaps did some things yesterday that points to, okay, well, if they can start doing some of those things moving forward, it seems like at the same time they take one step forward with the offense and perhaps two back with their defense. Um, So we'll get into all of that and kind of what it means moving forward. I mean, here's the thing. like We were just talking about before we came online, right, that, I could sit here and say, well, that was a game that we didn't expect to win. I mean, even if we were like five and three, six and two, you don't normally expect to go into Buffalo with as good as they are and win a game. Um, so even in when things are going well, that's a tough place to go win. Uh, but you know, when you look at the totality of it, we're not looking for moral victories, right? And, uh, this is a team that we expected to be a contender. And it doesn't look like they are right now. Now, there's still a chance, but we need to stack some wins in the left-hand column, or this is going to get away from us pretty quickly. It's, it, some would say it already have. Um, it's not like the season's over, but uh, they're going to have to go out there and go on a run here and uh, uh, and really do some work to dig themselves out of this hole. Yeah, I mean, three and five, right? I think we're four back already in the north. It's just a reality that this is this is a tough one. Um, this this is making out to be a, a tough season. 
you said it before we went live, but um, you know, we didn't go in with the intention of this being a rebuilding year, but it's starting to look like it potentially could be. And uh, tomorrow's the trade deadline. I don't think the Packers have shown anything over the last month to prove that they're a one wide receiver away. I know a lot of Packer fans have, have been clamoring for that, but at this point, I don't know how you give up draft picks for this season and mortgage anything in the future when we very likely are looking into the future. You just don't lose four in a row the way the Packers have and still don't look right. Um, you mentioned it. Um, we start with the offense, but let's talk about the defense legs. Let's talk about the defense last night. Um, and, and let's start with what was the most glaring thing to me is the missed tackles. The, the, the tackling was an absolute travesty throughout the game. And um, I thought in particular, Darnell Savage, um, he wasn't the strongest tackler a few years ago, but I swear he's gotten worse as the years have progressed. And last night, um, you know, on national TV, a couple of those missed tackles were, were frankly pretty embarrassing. Um, you know, the effort didn't look to be there. It looked like he didn't really want to even try to make the tackle. Um, I'm going to call him out. It just didn't look that good. So um, maybe we start there where this is a defense that came in very hyped. And, and now through eight weeks, even the basics seem to start to be escaping this defense. Yeah. Uh, and, and Darnell Savage, uh, he had a rough game. He also got turned around at the end of the half uh, on the long throw by Diggs. Uh, I, I know Azul started in, in coverage, but they were in the zone look, and and Savage got turned around and he let Stefan Diggs run right by him yep. in a situation where it, it, that's the last thing you want to do I mean, in any situation, but particularly at an end of the half scenario, the Bills had no timeouts and he, he just gets lost in coverage. I, I mean, so Dane, I ask you, when you see things like that, honestly, I, that's more mental to me than it is physical. I know it's technically physical because you're talking about a situation where you just got to go up and, and make the play. It's, it's, it's not. But at the same time, I the reason I almost put it more into the mental side of things is I, I think it's a, a symptom of a lack of overall focus and preparation. Um, how much was his head in the game? Uh, I and mean, listen, guys have bad games, uh, so this isn't going to be the you know um, let's let's cut Darnell Savage, trade Darnell Savage. Um, I I won't repeat some of the words that I said in our Packer chat. Um, during and after the game of Mark Donald Savage here, but um, the, the reality is, is that this we've been saying this for weeks and weeks. It's just like the special teams last year on both the offense and defensive units. They're bad. I'm sorry to say they're either bad, not well coached, or both, because a a well coached team and a, a high functioning team doesn't find new and creative ways to have a letdown every week. Last week with the offense, it was to drop passes. This week with the defense, it's the missed tackles. Uh, you know, so you can say, well, if we just clean that up, then they would be okay. It doesn't work that way. When you're bad, it's always something. And that's been the theme of this season on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Um, uh, you know, you can be coached up and, and, and change things, and I don't expect a perfect performance every week. And that's not what I'm saying. It's it's emblematic of a larger issue when every week you can point to one glaring thing that's a big driver for why you're struggling. And when it's a new thing every week, it starts with the coaching. Um, so, Dane, I, I'm going to ask you in the, the Presser today, Coach LaFleur was asked directly, are you thinking about a change on a defensive uh, coaching staff, a defensive coordinator? And he said unequivocally, absolutely not. Now, what else is he supposed to say? But he did later say that we'd be, you know, we'd be crazy, I'm paraphrasing here, not to listen to our players. And also, and I assume he does this regularly, but he made a point to say that he himself sat in with the defensive players in film today uh, to share his perspective and some accountability. Uh, so, you know, reading between the lines, what are your thoughts on that? Because 
Um, certainly the offense has its share of struggles, but, and, and so it's hard to just point the blame at the defense, but that was the side of the ball that was supposed to be the top five unit this year and was really going to carry this team until hopefully the offense could figure it out over the course of the season. So, so what do you think? Cause I think you and I both have really defended the defense quite a bit. And I, and I, to some extent that still holds. Uh, but at the same time, and maybe this isn't the best week, which is just how good bills are offensively, but right. it's just a spillover effect. And I think some frustration from the whole season that this defense just hasn't really carried its water. Uh, I mean, and we expected more. So what do you think of Coach LaFleur's comments about uh, the defense of players and the defensive coaching staff? Well, you know, I, I imagine at this point LaFleur's not looking to just start a revolving door of defensive coordinator. Um, and, and, and I get that to a certain extent. I also think that him sitting in today, he's trying to get control of the locker room and make sure he doesn't lose his team. That, that's what I think. Um, I watched the... Uh, halftime interview they had with him. He looked absolutely flabbergasted last um, he, he, he really did. So I think that he's doing everything he can right now to, um, you know, kind of keep the, the ship above water and, and not lose lose those guys. And, and you know, the last few years, it's pretty remarkable to say that after three years of a lot of um, success uh, with this team. But the way the things are kind of going right now, um, some maybe not so veiled shots even early in the year, I thought, from some of our star players against uh, some of the, the defensive scheme uh, that had come out. Right now, LaFleur is just trying to, I think, um, evaluate and, and and see what's next. And I agree. I, I just don't know. Um, I mean, what's he going to say, right, when you're asked point blank, are you going to fire a guy? Like, you're not going to say, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Like, that's, that is not an appropriate uh, response to that answer. I think that Lafleur um, seems to be the kind of guy that when he makes a decision, he's going to be swift with that decision. And I don't think that they would wait until you know midweek during a press conference to to kind of have that kind of dirty laundry come up. So all of that's to say, I believe Lafleur to a certain extent, but I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, things continue to go the route that they're going if he doesn't make dramatic changes yet again. Um, with the defensive coaching staff, particularly the defensive coordinator. I, I do think that um, he's not afraid to shake things up. Now, midseason would be a little bit out of um, out of the norm for, for Matt LaFleur, but um, you know, being 3-5 and five is also out of the norm for Matt LaFleur, and if he sees this defense continue to slip, especially with the talent and the draft um, capital that's been uh, used for this defense over the last few years, he might make a change. Yeah, well, let me just ask you point blank, Dave. It, it, do you feel uh, you don't want the, the the players to be? You have to have that balance. You you want to make sure that the players are aligned and on board, motivated, and uh, you know working together with the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball. On the one hand, uh, players can be pretty emotional, so you don't want to overreact. But like, as you just said, we're three and five. Defense is underperformed. This whole year, uh, part is part of it the fact that the offense is underperformed. Even if you thought they would struggle a little bit uh, by their standards, um, it's kind of hard for Coach Lafleur to scapegoat the defensive guy in that situation. But let me just ask you point blank: um, based on his body of work, we've had twenty-seven games of Coach Bear as defensive coordinator. Is he the guy? Uh, you know, if, if, if they're going to make a change, if he's not the guy and it, at the end of this season, it's unlikely that we retain him. Is there benefit in letting this ride out as the ship is sinking a little bit here on the Packers season? I don't even know if he was the guy when he got hired. Um, <laughs> They, I, I think the guy coaching Wisconsin Badgers was somebody that they, they, they would have liked to have interviewed and, you know, he decided to stick where he was. Um, and I, I'm not sure if at the time Barry was necessarily Matt LaFleur's first or maybe even second pick. So, um, the, the question becomes, you know, reading the tea leaves and, and looking long term, are they looking, you know, does LaFleur think that he can target somebody in the offseason? 
uh, that's going to come in here. And, and you know, it, it, it feels good to say, let's get rid of a guy, but who are you going to replace him with? That's always the big question mark. But that being said, when you're three and five, they're probably not making this move. If they're three and seven, they might be making this move. And that's just a reality. Um, so, Wags, I would well, be They're three and seven. The season's over. Not with all respect. Like, I hear what you're saying, but like, what, at what point are you just, you know, are you just sitting uh, on, on the move and just letting it ride out? Like, I, I'm not saying they need to completely push the panic button. What I'm asking you, Dane, is over 27 games, in your mind, has Coach Barry proven to you that he can run a top-flight defense? No, no, he hasn't. And, and he also hasn't, through the body of his work as a defensive coordinator prior to Green Bay. Um, there, there's not a body of work that he could point to. I mean, Don Capers, right, was a guy who later in his career was much maligned in Green Bay, but he also had a body of work that you could point to and go, this guy knew what he was doing with that 3-4, had a lot of success as a defensive mind in the NFL. I don't think Joe Barry has that body of work to point to. I think he's probably a very, very good um, position coach. But um, so far, uh, success as a defensive coordinator has escaped him. And in 27 games in Green Bay, um, I haven't seen anything to make me think that um, he can make guys overperform um, with a defensive scheme. And that's just my point of view. So, no. And I don't think he's the answer long-term in Green Bay. Yeah, he got a little bit of pass last year. Quite honestly, because of the injuries, yeah, absolutely. So, um, it, it, there's, there, you can't go to that excuse. Now, Packers got a little bit dinged up yesterday. Luckily, it doesn't look like anything that'll be long term impacting on the defensive side of the ball. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Dane. And that's why I'm pressing on this question. And I think a lot of other fans are as well. It's, it's, while I do think it's hard to scapegoat the defensive side of the ball, Again, that was supposed to be our premier unit, and they haven't played anywhere close to it. Uh, they've got, you know, six, six or seven first round picks. Um, you know, Devondra Campbell, all pro last year. Unfortunately, he hasn't played quite to that level this season. Um, Razul Douglas, um, all pro, or I'm sorry, Pro Bowl alternate last season, uh, just hasn't played quite as well. Um, are they, uh, you know, is a Razul Douglas in the right position? Uh, that's, that's that's another, another question. question. Yeah. You're you're asking scheme and and last night just to get into the game, um, I, I know a lot of fans are frustrated that we didn't have Jair Alexander uh, shadowing uh, uh, Diggs last night, and he's the best receiver. And Jair Alexander didn't really line up against him all that often. Uh, most of the damage Diggs did was against other corners, and uh, those guys need to play better too. But at the same time. You've got the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, and it seems like the Packers are running a scheme that they're not putting him in a position to play against the premier wide receiver on our opposing teams. Uh, so I, I, you can defend the, well, it's hard to play a lot of man coverage. A, that's what they have said this season. And then last night, I get it with Josh Allen at quarterback and what he can do with his legs playing man and, and having your back to the line of scrimmage isn't always for the best, but there's other ways to scheme up looks and, and put your defense in a position to be successful. That's what they're being paid to do. And it seems like Coach LaFleur, with all respect, uh, has a lot of excuses. And it, it's it's running a little bit thin, I think, to both myself and a lot of other Packer fans. Um, when he gets up there and he says, well, we can't, we can't do that because of what Josh Allen can do with his legs. Well, we ran in a soft zone and he still killed us with his legs last night, multiple times. Um, so what they were working wasn't, what they were doing wasn't working. So Dane, I asked you, uh, at what point are you going to just continue to run out the same scheme that right. doesn't seem to be playing to the personnel, the strength of the personnel? Um, isn't necessarily getting them motivated and, you know, playing with physicality and together. Um, but they seem to be playing more for themselves, uh, to be quite honest, a lot of times. And to me, that's, all, that's on the coaches. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, my patience is running a little bit thin. So I, I don't know what your well, thoughts are on, on what they were doing. From a coverage standpoint, it makes um, no sense. Honestly, it makes no sense to me 
Um, you said it. With hey, Jair Alexander, a lot of money. Listen, if if, if you don't want to play your best players, um, then let's not pay you know top flight money for guys, right? Because like it just doesn't make sense to me. If you're going to pay a guy top cornerback money, um, you got to trust the guy. Or otherwise, why why are we investing in him? Why have we done what we've done with Jerry Alexander? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'll tell you what, um, what I feel like this Joe Barry defense and this scheme has become is is they're afraid to do anything well. <laughs> so instead, they just roll guys out to do a bunch of different things okay to try to be, I don't know if it's cute, I don't understand, but why not just try to take away the number one wide receiver and then do everything else, right? But, like, why don't we just try to take away their best player, uh, the best of our ability, with our number one corner? Instead, we seem to try to scheme things up. We play the soft zone, and, you know, we get cooked a little bit here, a little bit there. We miss some tackles, and then we just get torched. It just doesn't really make sense to me, and that's where my frustration comes in, is what does this defense do well? What are they hanging their hat on? And I don't know what that is at this point. And you can probably say that about this entire football team outside of maybe the run game last night is what are you doing well? Let's just define who we are and then we can figure out the rest of it. But we're not doing that right now. So right now we're just kind of average to below average across the board defensively. And it's just frustrating to watch. Yeah. Um, average to bad defenses react to what the opponents are doing. To yes. Spot on. We came into the season talking about how the talent on this defense would give the coaching staff an opportunity to dictate term and make the offenses we're facing react to what the defense is doing. And we're still, you're so spot on, Dane. We're still playing as if we've got personnel that is a lower half of the league level of talent. And if you're playing tentative and reactionary, your co- your player, if you scheme that way, your players are going to play that way. So, uh, yeah, that's why I'm ready. I'm sorry if it's, you know, we talked about last week, we don't like to call for a, a guy's job and Amari Rogers. But again, where's the accountability? The reality is like, you know, I, I'm not saying this as a one week reaction. The, 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 you know, we kept a good Bills offense to 27 points. You could do a lot worse. <laughs> so I, 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 it's not just about last night. This is, this is a 27 game read on, on Coach Barry. And quite honestly, what I'm seeing from the players, you know, the players have to play better. But at this point, to me, a change needs to be made. Uh, and if there's a little bit of a scapegoat and, you know, it may not work, but you want to try to turn this season around. You got to do something to rally the troops here. And I don't think this is a situation where the players are, are overly emotional and are charging into Coach LaFleur's office right. and saying, you need to make a change. But Coach LaFleur needs to be more proactive because you don't want to let it get to that point either. And my fear is, is if they lose a couple more games, that would be the situation. And then Coach LaFleur looks weak. And he risks losing a lot of the equity and, you know, the uh, relationships that he's built with these players over the last three seasons that have been very successful. Right. Wags, you, you mentioned, you know, players rushing into the office to, you know, say get rid of a guy. I've got to wonder how many guys are going to rush in and say, don't get rid of this guy. And that's just an honest assessment. Um, you said, you know, I watch this defense in particular and I watch how they're moving around out there. And, and yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head about some of the guys looking like they kind of are out there for themselves. You can tell when a team defense is feeding off each other. These guys aren't feeding off each other right now. And that is a direct, um, impact of the coaching stuff, whether it's, um, firing the guys up, whether it's um, putting them in the right position. We're not seeing necessarily that swarming defense. We're seeing more individual defense. And that's not what we've seen the last couple of years, even with less talent on the defensive side. I mean, I just, I watch this team right now and I don't see the cohesion that we've seen over the last couple of years. I don't feel like we've got a strong of a locker room right now uh, that we've had past couple of years. Yes, the losses, of course, sting and it hurts, but you can tell when guys are vibing off each other and, you know, to a man, they're all trying to go for one common goal. I'm not necessarily seeing that right now. And I do think that begins with coaching staff. And you said it, um, you know, I, we had really high expectations of the defense. Um, if we're not going to hold somebody accountable, somebody's got to be held accountable for this. Otherwise, everybody's going to fall. 
So whether it's defensive coordinator or somebody else, um, we need to be aggressive right now in Swift and, and try to prove a point here. So I don't care if it's Joe Barry. I don't care if it's some of the starters that have been underperforming. They need to shake something up. Otherwise, we're going to keep rolling the same guys out there week in and week out, and we're going to get the same results, and that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dean, any any other thoughts, um, uh, particularly with what happened last night? I mean, I, I, I'm i curious what your thoughts were on the second half. We got a couple of takeaways. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, we limited the amount of possessions that Buffalo yeah. got in the second half with the way we were controlling the clock and running the football. Um, uh, unfortunately, we needed to start that game plan, you know, uh, a quarter and a half earlier than we did. Uh, so, it, you know, when you fall behind by as much as you did, that game sort of reminded me of the Bears-Packard game in week two in reverse where we were the Bears and the Bills were the Packers. Um, we never seriously threatened. Um, it was nice to get a little bit of rhythm offensively. Um, that's all well and good. We, maybe we started to build a little bit of an identity running the football. Uh, so we'll talk about the offensive side. But, um, you know, I, I didn't think, not to take anything away from the defense, but honestly, I didn't think there was anything that they did that was dominating, that you said, wow, they held the Bills to three points. Um the Bills made a couple of mistakes. I just didn't think they played very well offensively in the second half. Uh, Josh Allen threw us a couple of interceptions, and takeaways are part of the game, but they were moving up and down the field still. And just, you know, I, I think I saw on Twitter um, uh, Andy Herman um, said that the Bills were playing with their food. I think that might be a, a little bit of a, a way to put it. Um, yeah. So it, it's. You know, uh, so I, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts were on the second half. Am I being too hard on them and they made adjustments and they played a lot better or, um, was it just, you know, a, a little bit circumstantial and the Bills just kind of, um, sleepwalking through the second half? Well, Legs, you asked about titles. My mom commented tonight. She said, Halloween titles, child's play. It feels like it, unfortunately. Mom, gotta give my mom a shout out. Wags, what do you think we pay some bills and then we come back and we talk a little bit about this second half and we talk about, um, you know, what we saw out of that? Because I'd love to hear your takes as well. All right, very good. So let's talk about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, DraftKings, of course, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And, Dane, I think one of the things that we could have had last night, had we gotten a score late in the game, Mason Crosby would have been lining up for an onside yes. kick. Uh, chances of getting the ball back would have been extremely slim. Um, our pulses would have still been racing. He would have kicked it off and watched if the ball lands. And you know what? It's just as hypothetical as if it, that had actually happened because it didn't. Uh, so unfortunately, but uh, every play would be exciting like this on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, and they're unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 bet in the NFL game. You get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Wags, check it out, too. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings Stepped Up Same Game Parlays. Wags, I don't know about you, but your boy Derek Henry uh, yesterday did a, a heck of a job. Uh, in fantasy football, had a big day. Kamara had a big day. I mean, it's just so much fun what you can do with DraftKings. Uh, and to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Yep, and I have Derrick Henry, and I'm trying to come back on Monday Night Football. And unfortunately, the Browns want to run trick plays and have a Mari, Mari Cooper throw interception. So it's not helping my call. Oh, <laughs> really? I didn't um, see that. Yeah. So anyway, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PPPN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet in any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code PPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. So, Dave, so getting Let's back to the discussion. Yeah, I'm really, um, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about this second half and I, I'm going to look at a positive right away because, um, you know, they ran the ball. 
I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, they ran the ball. Finally, they ran the ball. I thought Aaron Jones looked phenomenal. This is what we were looking for now. Um, with the caveat that the Bills were not playing the Packers totally in the second half. They were also playing the clock, and they were letting this clock run down. I mean, that's that's a reality. That's a reality. And anybody who says otherwise, I mean, I, I, I just, I'll, I'll disagree. Um, that being said, it, this is going to sound wild, but the fact that the Packers offensive coaching staff just stuck to the run, <laughs> I liked it. Um, I would like to see the Packers continue to their stubbornness, uh, as the season wears on, because I do think that this is the identity that we should be looking for out of the offense. Now, granted, I don't want to be down 20 points trying to run the ball every week, but, um, if I can take one very minor silver lining out of this week, uh, it is that the backers were consistently running the football unabashed. Didn't matter what the score was. Didn't matter anything else. They stuck with something that worked. And we've seen in past weeks, um, in, in games where, you know, the, the, the score was still in doubt, the Packers would run the ball once or twice and then just get away from it and go three and out, um, shortly thereafter with a couple throws. Um, so if the Packers consistently run the ball, I do think they have a chance to win more football games uh, playing more of the style of the offense that they did yesterday. Um, now, is that going to continue? It remains to be seen. But I was really glad that we didn't see Rodgers just sitting back there chucking the ball three times, three and out, three and out, three and out, because um, that would have been even more maddening. So it was nice to see them at least get something going. Yeah. Um, speaking of Aaron, you know, statistically, he didn't have his best game, but I thought, he had some of his best downfield throws that we've seen yes. all season. So that was one other silver lining. But I would say that, you know, unfortunately, you know, as much as I was pleased to see them move the football and we talked about going in, in into the game, even on some of the possessions that they didn't score, they were moving the chains. And that's what they had to do. In the first half, unfortunately, they just didn't finish enough series. They needed to finish one or two more series to keep the ball away from Buffalo and put a few more points on the board. Uh, putting seven points up in the half uh, against Buffalo, it's just not going to do it. Yeah. So um, so that first half was what really killed them. I think, honestly, if they had been able to finish off their last series, that keeps, you know, I know Buffalo just got three before the half, but that that could be a slightly different ball game if it even if it's just twenty one ten versus twenty four seven at the half. Um, so you you can quibble with Coach Lafleur's fourth down decisions and not giving Mason Crosby a chance to kick field goals. Uh, Dane, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I personally didn't have an issue with either of those decisions in the moment. Uh, this was a game that you knew that we were going to need to put up points to be able to keep up with Buffalo. And it's it's a lot of 24-7 hindsight to say, well, those two field goals sure would have been nice. The Packers had the ball at the end. Um, I, I just, I don't think you can look at it that way. Buffalo would have been attacking the game a lot differently if it would have been a one-score game in the fourth quarter as well. So, um, so I didn't really have a problem with it. It's just, it's a matter of, if you're going to play that way, you've got to finish off a few more series. Um, it was nice to see Romeo Dobbs make some big catches. So in some respects, both of our X-Factors, you with Aaron Rodgers and myself with Romeo Dobbs, they showed a few things. They had some moments. Um, it wasn't it wasn't enough, obviously. We know. Um, so <laughs> I, I guess... In some respects, you can say, well, they got some things going in the second half. They found a little bit of an identity. But then I'm also going to come back and ask you another question, Dane, because Aaron Rodgers had some thinly veiled comments after the game, kind of, and again, paraphrasing, suggesting, well, I, I guess I had to man be a game manager today if that's what we're going to do. Um, but I don't know what uh, he was asked, how, how, how this Packer offense can be successful. And he said, I don't know um, if that's what we need to do. Um, I think we still need to throw the ball downfield, which is true. We do. Um, so I'm not disagreeing with this comment. Um, it just, we still, we've been reading between the lines that that number 12 is kind of a part of this identity problem all season. And, you know, I, I think yesterday, one thing I would say, and I don't know if you agree with this game, perhaps what it is, is Aaron coming to the recognition of we can't be what I want us to be 
we have to be who we are. And if they're able to settle in, that doesn't mean, Aaron, you have to become a game manager or quarterback, but it does mean that we have to have some type of offensive identity and rhythm, and then maybe you'll get some more opportunities to get on the same page and play action or uh, to be able to throw downfield and get some of these young guys' confidence going. Um, So from that respect, I think that's that's one silver lining that you could take from this game on the offensive side. Well, yeah, and, you know, I I think that while maybe a game could start in the – more in the vein of a game manager, quote-unquote game manager role, legs, to your point, um, if you're running the football – Play action can be your best friend as a quarterback. I, I just because you're not coming out in the first series of the game and shotgun and chucking it downfield doesn't mean that throughout the game you're not going to be able to find your spots and make some throws. Um, so, um, and also I, I, I would say that you know, throughout this year receivers haven't always been where we need them to be, but also Aaron's throws have been off too. Uh, he's missed a lot of receivers throughout this season. So if they can settle in a little bit more and run the ball. And Aaron can pick his spots and, and, and find open receivers like he was able to do yesterday, or, or excuse me, last night. Um, then I think that as a whole, the offense could benefit, but but it could be a symbiotic relationship. Aaron Rodgers could benefit um, individually off of their strong running game as well, because I do think he would open up more passing lanes uh, for him to be able to find his open receivers. So um, I would hope that he's going to lean into this because if, if he does want to sit back there and throw 30, 40 times a game, not that that's necessarily what you're suggesting, but that's just not where this offense is at right now. And that's not where it's going to be probably for the remainder of the season. But if they do settle in, run the ball, uh, some short passes, find your spots for some big plays, uh, you know, do that um, RPO, uh, you know, he might have a chance to have some, some pretty big games still uh, for this year. Yeah, and I mean, something's got to give. Something's right? got to give. Uh, and as, as phenomenal as Aaron Jones was last night, that's got to open up the quarterback's eyes a little bit. I saw a quote today, uh, Matt Hasselbeck was talking about one of his earlier seasons in Seattle. They had a young wide receiver group, and he admitted he was getting frustrated because they weren't in the right position. Coach Holmgren said, you know what? You need to throw the ball where they are and not where they should be. And I thought that says a lot because Aaron Rodgers is good enough to be able to see the field and maybe he just needs to throw the ball where they are and not where they should be. Give his guys a chance to make some plays like he did with Romeo Dobbs' touchdown. That, that throw also is another indicator that hopefully should open number 12's eyes and say, yeah. you know what? He wasn't that open. I threw it up and he, kind of wasn't running the cleanest route, but he was able to get his body in position and make an incredible catch. Did he make it look harder than it needed to be? Maybe, but at the end of the day, he caught the ball. So, you know, one of the knocks, I think, on Aaron at times is that he's so afraid to make a mistake that he won't give guys uh, some chances. And when you're struggling and you're playing from behind, you know, what's the point? At that point, like if Aaron would have thrown two more interceptions because he was trying to make some things happen late in the game, um, it's the same result either it way. my life, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and unfortunately, I don't think Aaron's ever going to change in that respect. But um, at least, hopefully, with Toure and with Dobbs making some plays, um, there's a, a slight about, amount of trust built. So Thanks. that's yeah. that's all you can really ask for, I think, at this point. I wanted to ask you about Samari Turi. You mentioned him. Um, hadn't gotten a lot of looks in previous weeks. I think he had his first catch last week or the week before in the NFL. But this week, I thought, really showed up um, late in the game. What was your impression of him? Because this is a thin wide receiver group, even when fully healthy. Um, but the Packers kept him on the roster. If everybody recalls, they, they figured out a way to keep him on. Um, and, and here he is now in week eight playing at the NFL level and, and making some splash plays. So, Wags, what say you? I mean, were, were you, were you as impressed as I was? Cause I was impressed by, by, um, his ability. He looked clean catching the ball as well. And that was something that was really impressive to me. Yeah. Uh, I was very impressed. I mean, I was impressed. We were both impressed with him in the preseason. And I know, yeah, that's the preseason, but I really, while I didn't expect him to come into the season, getting a bunch of snaps, 
um, I was surprised that he wasn't activated sooner. I, I think he had a, a little bit of an injury at the start of the season as well that played played a bit of a role in that. But um, the reality is is that he showed more in one half of football last night than Amari Rogers has in his entire career in Green Bay. So, yeah, maybe he should be out there instead of Amari Rogers for all of those snaps. Um, let's make that change. It's not hard. Like, this isn't rocket science. You don't have to, you know, give it three weeks and figure out what you're going to do. Um, play the best players. And to me, it looked like he was a heck of a lot better than some of the guys that were out there in front of him. Um, Sammy Watkins has been pretty darn underwhelming in the last two weeks since he came back off the IR. Um, so I, I'm not saying you have to go and immediately bench him, but maybe some of these other guys should play. <laughs> um, let's lean into it. And I realized Christian Watson getting hurt last night didn't really help matters. Um, so, and look, injuries happen. We can talk about that. So I don't want to get on the guy. It's, it's unfortunate he had the concussion. It's not like he intended that to happen, but Unfortunately, he seems to be made of glass. Um, I hate to say it, but early in his career, he has not proven that he has any ability to stay healthy from the preseason to in season to now. So, um, you know, I hope that changes, but it doesn't seem like it usually does. Staying healthy is a little bit of a skill in the NFL. And, uh, usually the guys that get hurt a lot, that just kind of unfortunately becomes who they are. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, not to get off topic on the Samari Toure, uh, but yeah, I think he earned more reps for sure. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Anything else that stuck out um, from, from yesterday before we talk about our um, our big cheese um, lead performers from, from my weekend? Yeah, I I mean, honestly, I thought uh, this the offensive line settled in and it played much yeah. better um over the course of the game. I can't Zach, Tom, Zach Tom Tom had Alton a little Jenkins. bit of Yeah. yeah. Alton Jenkins. Zach Tom? Yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, Alton Jenkins so apparently got his foot stepped down in practice. So it wasn't anything with his knee, even though he was listed with a, a foot and knee on the injury report. It was his foot getting stepped down and they thought he was gonna play. Uh but just wasn't feeling great Sunday morning. Um, so it shouldn't be a long-term issue, hopefully, unless they do some more tests and find something else going on there, which hopefully is not the case. But, um, but yeah, he, Zach Tom, you know, uh, two weeks in a row, emergency starter in two different positions, uh, looked a little bit, uh, out of sorts, uh, early in the game, but I, th I thought he and the rest of the offensive line settled in pretty well. Uh, this, this is a very, very strong defensive front for the Bills. And I I know you said earlier, Dane, and I completely agree with you that the Bills were in front. It's like, okay, go ahead and run the ball, let the clock run in the second half. So it's sort of a cat and mouse thing, but at the same time, you know, it, it is encouraging, uh, nonetheless. Uh, and hopefully that gives all of these guys a little bit of confidence. And um, uh, it, we'll see, though. This isn't a situation where we can we're going to sit here after next week's game against Detroit and say, well, they played a little bit better, but fell just short. Maybe the right. season will go, turn around. It starts now. They're either going to go and put together some wins. It's not just about playing better football. You got to go out there and get some wins. And so we'll see. But um, yeah, I think the offensive line to some degree at least has some identity and something to build on. And, and hopefully Al Jenkins is healthy and ready to go this week. Yes. And it's two weeks in a row, and it was good to see Bakhtiari back out there, right? I mean, there's some there there are some pluses um, with that offensive line, and I, and I, I think I'll just say it: I think Zach Tom's going to be a pretty good player for this Packers team long term. The fact, uh, as you mentioned, the deal to spot start as a rookie at left tackle and left guard in back to back weeks at the NFL, not necessarily expecting to play either of those times, and to be thrown into the wolves the way he did against really good defensive talent. This dude's going to be able to play. He's going to be a starter for the Packers as soon as next year, uh, consistently somewhere in that offensive line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't really have anything else on the offense. Uh, Dane, I think it's time, unless you have anything else to add, uh, I, to get I, to you. 
I'm just oh, going to go flip ahead. to the defensive side quick as well. I thought Eric Stokes it looked like he got pulled yesterday. So that was just kind of a fascinating thing to see um, them yanking in Kayshawn Nixon getting uh, a lot of looks. And, and honestly, I thought Savage would get pulled for Rudy Ford or somebody else's safety. It didn't look like he did. But, um, you know, we talked about accountability from the coaching staff. I, I'm certain some of the guys, everybody notice, notices on that team that somebody gets yanked that way. I'll be curious to see if the Packers continue to kind of um, work that and pull those strings a little bit as the season progresses. But um, I think it's important. If guys aren't performing, we need to be able to put somebody else in there, even if it's to prove a point to the defense or the offense. Yeah, uh, and and Coach LaFleur, you know, he didn't pile on Savage by any means, but he didn't exactly defend him either. He just said, you know, those are plays that he's got to make. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You've got to clean up and make those tackles. Um, so, you know, they they all understand what the stakes are and, and, and who, what needs to be done. Um, so, yeah, to your point, Dane, does it mean Ashley taking the next step and putting someone else in there. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure I want to see, uh, another performance like that out of Darnell Savage. I honestly, um, you know, unfortunately, he's just not the player that he was two years ago. Uh, so what do you do then at that point? It, it, so just, there's, there could be some tough questions being asked. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that, but, uh, we've got to do something. We can't just sit back and say, well, we can play better. Um, and, uh, otherwise, uh, whether that's changes on the coaching staff, changing personnel wise, whatever it is, they, they, I think we need to see some action. Does, um, does Savage remind you a little bit, maybe not in style of play, but kind of some of the same issues that we're now having with haha Clinton Dix? Um, I remember haha a couple of years, his first couple of years, you know, there, there are moments and then started missing tackles and just seeming to be a step off and seeing some of the same trends uh, with Darnell Savage. Last night, uh, in particular, I was like, oh, that reminded me a lot of Aha Clinton Dix later in his tenure in Green Bay. Just something I was watching, a par- noticing some parallels yesterday. Yeah, um, the lack of focus, I think, would be in preparation and, you know, not being in the right spot, place on the field. Um having very little interest in making tackles. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that a, is that reflective of the player that Darnell Savage is or could be? I don't know. Um, his play on the field this season hasn't exactly given me a lot of confidence that he is a top flight player. We're not talking about a guy that's in his first or second season at this point. And so I, I don't know what that is. Is that, is this someone that, I don't know, ha Clinton Dix, how interested was he in his craft and being, did he love football? I don't know. Only he could answer that question. I don't think it's fair. I never want to question guys or their desire. But we would also be kidding ourselves if we think that every guy on that 53-man roster across the NFL is passionate about playing football. Um, there are guys that are just there for the paycheck. They're supremely talented, but if they're not getting better at a certain stage of their career and, you know, sorry to say, seems like they're just going through the motions, it gives me a lot of pause. And then at that point, are you better off addition by subtraction and playing the lesser talented guy that is going to be locked in and be doing everything he can to preserve his place on on the team and and on the field? Um, It's a tough question, but I think, you know, at a certain point, I would say, yeah, you probably would be better off. So I don't know if we're at that point with Darnell Savage, but he's going to have to turn things around in a hurry. Um, I think not only for us as fans, but, uh, to the coaches to prove that, that he's not that guy, that he can be someone that we think he is and have the talent level to be. Um, but yeah, you gotta go out there and prove it week after week. You can't, you can't be playing at a below, below average level for most of the season the way he has and, and expect to have a lot of equity and grace period. Um, when when accountability questions start coming up. 
Um, Dane, I, I do want to ask one thing. You mentioned our top trades. Uh, do you expect to see any trades for the Packers? And if so, <laughs> will it be uh, bringing in or shipping out? Uh, so just just kind of curious your thoughts. I, I I I'm wondering what might happen tomorrow, but curious to see what your thoughts are. I'd love to tell you. I think a bunch of crazy stuff's going to happen in Green Bay, but I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't think that they're trading anybody. I don't think anybody's coming in. I think that we're going to stay in path. Um, might try to sign a wide receiver or other players, you know, as as needed. Um, but that's a free agent. But no, I don't think Patrick getting up any draft capital. I also don't think they're trading anybody uh, from the roster. Uh, yeah, I mean, the problem trade. is. Every GM, every opposing GM knows, knows what, what the problems are for the Packers exactly. and vice versa. Um, you know, unfortunately, those, they're also competitive. They don't want to lose, unquote, the trade, um, from a value perspective. Um, I would say a lot of Packer fans pro- out there, or maybe a, a loud minority, um, if you will, might feel that Goody overvalues uh, some of his uh, compensation packages or lack thereof, and uh, that maybe has hurt them in the past. Um, this is not the season. They're a player or two away. Um, I would have much preferred them be more aggressive in the last couple of seasons versus this year. Uh, but I, I also, would you be shocked if, I don't think we have any marquee guys getting traded away, but would you be shocked? If we traded someone that's maybe a free agent to be, um, flip them for a late round pick, um, someone like a Dean Lowry, um, heck, even a Darnell Savage, um, and we were, we're talking about him right now just to kind of shake things up and, and perhaps just cash in if you think that you're better off moving forward. Wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I, I, you know, that, that's, no, I wouldn't be surprised if that were to happen, but. Uh, you know, we're talking late round picks um, for any of those types of guys. I don't think any top tier guys would be leaving this roster, but yeah, um, wouldn't be a total surprise. But I, I do think the end of the day, Packers take path. They might be listening and they might be having conversations right now, but end of the day, I doubt we're going to see anything happen for, you know, any of our marquee guys. Yeah. So I would say on the Lombardi's Legends Hope O Meter, um, we're probably more on the side of it would be far more surprising if the Packers traded and you see the headlines that, oh, the Packers traded for DJ Moore or yeah. Brandon Cooks tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> than I'd be if shocked if that happened. Honestly, I'd be way more shocked that than Dean Lowry getting traded. <laughs> on the shock of for sure. I, or I think the most likely thing to happen is player that you've never heard of gets added to the practice squad. Practice squad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, Dane, I think we should get to our Leap Spirits Players of the Week segment. Uh, of course, Leap Vodka and Leap Spirits is um, uh, only in Wisconsin. If you want to find Leap Vodka or Leap and Lemonade in a retail store or restaurant near you, go to LeapSpirits.com and click on Find Leap Vodka. So, Players of the Week, Dane, um, I'm going to lead this off. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, as I mentioned earlier, you could say that our X-Factors, Aaron Rodgers and, um, and Romeo Dobbs, certainly had some moments last night. I think it was just moments, and to me, um, offensively, um, my clear player of the week was Aaron Jones and 24 touches last night and was able to be effective running the ball over seven and a half yards carry was involved as a receiver. And, um, yeah, he was, he was the engine of this whole Packers offense. And, um, it, it's hard to, uh, a bitter pill to swallow in a, another losing effort, but finally, we gave Aaron Jones the touches that we've all been clamoring for. And you know what? He delivered. So um, for me, it's Aaron Jones as the player of the week on the offensive side of the ball. But I don't know if you have any other guys that you want to throw out there as an opportunity. No, it has to be Aaron Jones. I thought he had one of the better games of his career, in fact, in a losing effort for the team. Aaron Jones played phenomenal football. And um, so not only is he the leap uh, vodka offensive player of week eight, but who knows? Maybe this is a catalyst for more to come. 
uh, with the coaching staff sticking to the run game and, and, and continuing to feed Aaron Jones wherever possible. And wouldn't that be something? If um, out of a loss in week eight, a three and five Packer team starts to ride the hot hand of Aaron Jones and, and really feed him and we can start to, to win some football games, wouldn't that be something? So, um, but I'll tell you what, Aaron Jones absolutely is the offensive uh, uh, leap offensive player uh, of week eight. I thought he just played phenomenal ball. Um, Wags, how about on the defensive side? I want to hear your take on this as well. Uh, really tough first half for the defense, second half. Um, obviously, things uh, turned a little bit uh, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, but who's your leap uh, spirits defensive player of week eight? Yeah, I mean, this was a little bit harder. Uh, honestly, for me, it was Preston Smith. Uh, he is someone that just continues to do the underappreciated things that don't show up in the box score. Um, his work uh, to try to corral and contain Josh Allen when he ran to his side of the field, uh, he ran him down uh, on one play that I remember. And it's not just one play. He, he continues to be effective when they run to his side. Um, I thought Rashawn Gary, second week in a row, he just got washed out upfield. And Rashawn needs to, as a young player, realize that if you can impact the game, even if you're not getting a sack in every game. And um, he got some pressures, but I, I really didn't think he ever came all that close to actually getting a sack. Uh, it was like just being in the vicinity. Um, and Preston Smith, uh, meanwhile, I think just um, does things the right way. And I'm not singling out Rashawn Gary and praising Preston Smith, but um, just trying to, you know, look at who individually did their job the best. To me, Preston Smith was the guy last night that actually did his job. And that's what we need from all 11 on the defensive side of the ball. There was too many other guys that just were not consistent in doing their jobs. And we didn't even talk about Quay Walker. And just, I know he felt very badly, rookie, getting caught up in the moment and emotions. It, it can't happen. Uh, and that hurt them. Um, you know, maybe not significantly, uh, actually, given the circumstances of the way the game played out. But the reality is, is, is we can't have those things happening. We've already talked about Darnell Savage. Adrian Amos um, slipped back a little bit last night. Um, didn't have a glaringly bad performance, but just uh, didn't play to the level that he had the previous couple of weeks. Um, I would like to throw um, Jair Alexander out there as a potential nominee, but, uh, you know, I, I think he did his job. Unfortunately, uh, the coaching staff is putting him in a position where he's not able to make the impact that he should be able to view uh, when he's doing his job. So um, I'm going to throw a practice Smith out there, but that's not an ironclad lock. So, Dane, I don't know if you have anyone else that you wanted to nominate. You know, uh, it, it was between Jair and Preston Smith, actually, for me as well. Um, Jair, I think, had more stat line this week. I think he had a, a few pass breakups and, and certainly the interception as well. Um, but I think I think you sold me on Preston Smith because he's a uh, he's a true professional. Right? He's a guy who's just week in and week out of study for this Packers team. He'll do whatever they ask for of him to do. You need him to go into pass for all. Like he's going to get into the pass defense. If he has to rush pass, he's going to do that. He's going to do his best to play the edge. And we saw it yet again this week. He's just not a selfish player at all. Um, he's a leader. Um, so um, I'm going to I'm gonna um, double down uh, on Preston Smith being the Leaf Spirits defensive player of the week. For all the reasons you said, but I think it goes for, for perhaps even beyond just his performance this week, but just as uh, what kind of leader he is. Uh, and he goes by example week in week out for this defense. Yeah, and I think to your point, Jair Alexander was right there for me too, totally. obviously, as I said. Um, certainly an honorable mention with the interception. That's great to see. Um, you know, no matter how you get it, it's nice to see. I, I just wish for Jair Alexander's sake that when he's having, you know, a good performance and playing good football, that he could just be in a position to have more 
more of an impact on the game. And I know you, you know, you could say, well, he made an interception. Well, that's great. But I, I, they came out in the first series and he had a pass breakup, um, the first throw attempt from Josh Allen. And you're like, wow, is this going to be a vintage Jair Alexander game? And they just went away from him. But the Packers scheme allowed the Bills to do that. I, I so I felt like they took Jair Alexander out of the game themselves to a certain extent. And that's what's so disheartening about what they've been doing out there is they're just not putting a stamp on the game and putting these players in a position to dictate and make an impact and utilizing them to the best of their strengths and the best of their abilities. Um, so Jair is being hamstrung to a certain extent. That's my opinion. Um, I think a lot of Packer fans and their frustrations would probably agree with me. Maybe the coaching staff would be able to talk ball and explain things and break things down um, to help us understand better, but unfortunately we don't have that luxury. So uh, we're going to continue to armchair quarterback this thing and wish that we could see what we're hoping to see from our star players. Wags, so after this week, we head to, uh, or we, we have a matchup with the Detroit Lions, and I know that we'll be previewing it this Thursday evening um, for those of you that watch live, and of course, um, many of you who listen to the podcast form of this on, on uh, Apple Pod or, or Spotify, so please rate and review us. Um, we're we're going to be here all season long talking Green Bay Packer football. So coming up next, NFC North Division rival Detroit Lions against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we'll be breaking that thing down Thursday night. Yep. So thanks so much, folks. As always, be legendary and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Every year I know we're going to go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave it with your good luck. Only thing I will.